Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hello, everyone. Today we are joined by Tara Tersini. She's the COO of Beauty Evolution. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, Tara. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, our listeners are curious about the career paths and journeys of execs in the beauty industry. Um, and our listeners want the real, authentic, honest story. Um, they're craving real and not fake that they can get in other places. And you certainly have such an interesting story to tell. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, it's funny, I don't even think of myself as a beauty exec, but I, I guess I am. I guess I've turned into one over the past few years. <laughs> well, that's what happens, right? These things are an evolution, um, which is also the name of your company. Can you tell us what it means to be COO of Beauty Evolution? Yeah, for me, it means it means a little bit of everything. You know, COO is one of those titles that's hotly talked about right now in the moment. And I was just reading a Harvard Business Review article on the title because apparently there's they've narrowed it down to seven different quote unquote types of COOs. And the type that I associate with really is bringing to life and then executing the vision of the CEO, who obviously is Bobby Brown at my company. So for me, that means um, working very closely with the whole team, but mainly, mainly helping Bobby bring to life um, anything she wants to do. So for me, luckily with my background as a TV producer, and then working in the beauty industry the past five years and through publishing and retail with her, it spans the course of being on the eyewear shoots and helping her, you know, produce those, put them together, execute them, deliver the assets to going with her out on the press tour for the new book launch to also then being in the strategy sessions for Beauty Evolution, which is going, which is a lifestyle and content company and how we're going to move that company forward, grow it and let it breathe air. So really anything and everything, just throw it at me. Um, so can you give us a little background on Bobby? Cause my, all of our listeners might not really understand Bobby Brown, the woman versus Bobby Brown, the brand um, right now. Can you just give us a little background there? Of course. Yeah. I'm very lucky to be familiar with Bobby Brown, the person who I met just about five years ago after I moved back to New York from LA at the bottom of Bloomy's 59th street, where she was in the middle of doing a personal appearance and was the only time she could squeeze in to interview me to potentially work for her as her executive assistant. Um, and ever since those five years, I started with Bobby uh, when she was with Bobby Brown cosmetics, the company she founded and, grew for the past 25 years into a, I think they were almost a billion dollar brand when she left in October of 2016. And we had always been working together outside of the company at Yahoo Beauty on her eyewear license, on her publishing deals. So I've always worked with Bobby first and foremost as the person and not the cosmetics mogul, which is, which is not really a role many people 
have had other than me. And um, it's, it's kind of the best, I think. It's so interesting because, um, you know, there's a lot of young people, right? People, you know, I guess are Gen Z listeners um, might not even have known there was a woman, right? Um, because they're just hearing brand names all the time, right? And now that she's not part of the company, they might not have even have known the history. Um, but, you know, your, um, your LinkedIn says everything Bobby, <laughs> and it really does like it is everything Bobby. Yes, everything Bobby. And, and just to say, I didn't know that Bobby Brown was a real woman until <laughs> I was having lunch with her neighbor in Montclair, who was my colleague at CBS, who said, oh, Bobby Brown's looking for someone. You should meet her. And I was like, what? Bobby Brown's a person? I've been buying that lip gloss since I was 14. I was like mind blown. But um, yeah, and a lot of people don't know that she's now not with the brand because she so successfully is and was the DNA of that brand that, um, you know, we meet people all the time and they're like, oh, we love your foundation. She's like, yeah, I I made it, but I'm not there anymore. And, And they're shocked. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's in, you know, when we're so in the business, right, we, we watch the movers and the shakers move on and do things. And, we're, you know, we're so tuned into where people are and what they're doing. But, you know, the world outside of beauty, they don't pay any attention to this. They, they absorb the marketing messages, right, um, but don't think much more about it. It's really fascinating to see how um, different people understand the business and the way that we see it as insiders. Um, it's you know, many people probably thought Bobby, if there was a person that it wasn't even a woman, um, right? right? Like, um, well, you know, sometimes are really upset. Um, it's always funny if Bobby and I are out, you know, doing an event and a, and a driver shows up, um, usually a male, a male driver to give us a ride and we walk to the car and they're like, Oh man, we thought it was the other Bobby Brown. (laughs) <laughs> and, I'm disappoint. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Well, you, you know, you just mentioned something really interesting to me, which is that you were having lunch with a friend who mentioned that there was this job opportunity. Um, and it made me just think of the power of connections. Um, can you just give us a little insight as to what it was like to um, have someone connect the dots for you for this job opportunity five years ago? Definitely. It was, it's a, it's a great story, I think, for young people to to hear just because I had to go a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I, Like I said, I had just moved back to New York from LA. I was very happily working in the entertainment business. And I figured when I got to New York, you know, I would just continue looking for a job in the same industry. I had no, no desire to go outside of TV, film, um, and even when my my friend Alexandra, who's also Bobby's friend, said you should meet Bobby Brown, I ran into her last night at her book party, and she's looking for not really an executive assistant, more of a chief of staff. You should just meet her; she's amazing, you know. And I I poo pooed it. I was like, no, I'm not into beauty. I don't really like makeup. You know, what could I possibly do for her? And I had a lot of women come and say, Alexandra being the first one saying, please just trust me and go meet her. And, you know, my mom said the same thing. And, and my, a couple other former bosses, they were like, Bobby Brown's amazing. She's a pioneer and such a icon. What are you crazy? And I was like, okay. So 
thank God for asking other people's advice and getting good advice because I went to meet Bobby that day and we connected from the very moment we met. And in that room, in that moment where she was sitting on a chair like Buddha, just being this, you know, omnipotent feet woman sitting in the basement of Bloomingdale's, she was like, take the job. I swear to you, you will make this job whatever you want it to be. If you're entrepreneurial, you'll figure out a way to, you know, be managing my schedule, but also working on projects you're passionate about. She was like, I promise I will, I will let you do it if you can figure it out. And I got to be honest, she was so true to her word within about six months of working for her. You know, I had figured out her, how to manage her day to day and all the different departments, and then also get involved on the photo and video shoots and work on, on all the creative stuff that was really what I was interested in. So what do you think about that moment in time allowed you to truly take the risk and not be held back by like self doubt or like even just playing the game, the, the, the TV and broadcast game, right? Like to exit from that and tell your friends that you're leaving that business. What gave you the courage to do it? I think Bobby did, you know, I really just, I really believed in her message and I really believed in, in her brand at the time. And I had never worked for someone like her before. And I, it surprised me that I was so into it, especially not being, you know, a beauty lover or even interested or even a person that wears a lot of makeup. I think I realized that even five years ago, her mission was so much more than just just the beauty brand itself. It was so much more than products. She really understood that the digital the digital world was bas- was already there, but not really in the as big in the beauty industry. You know, the YouTube girls and the influencers they were just starting to really pop, and mm-hmm. and, and Bobby saw that. So I saw this opening in the digital realm, and I knew that Bobby was interested in it and she was ultimately going to let me be her partner in crime and exploring that. And shortly thereafter, her creative director at the time and I, we did launch a a YouTube um, channel for the brand and started, you know, really souping up Bobby's blog and the Instagram and all of those things that were, we knew were going to be the new frontier. It's so awesome that you were in a situation where you were ready to take a risk and that you had a boss who is uh, willing to give you those chances. Um, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners have had, had, had um, bosses that weren't inspiring, right, or really um, challenged um, their team when they wanted to try something new. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not an everyday affair that you get a situation where you have a boss who's really giving you the chance to, to grow, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I knew at the time I was engaged and getting married and did have, you know, did hope to have a family one day. And I also just in the short time I had worked for Bobby, you know, I saw, Oh, here's a woman. She's this badass businesswoman. She's also married, like a long-term marriage, successful marriage and had three boys and figured it all out. And I was like, Hmm, I, that's who I want to learn from. That's who I want to emulate because 
she's a person who has, you know, it's, it wasn't easy, but she kind of had her cake and ate it too, having the family and the, and the job. So I knew there was a, a lot to learn just from a, a life standpoint as well. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because um, 10 years ago, I started my own business because I didn't have any role model for that. I didn't, there weren't a lot of people around me that were having their cake and eating it too, like having, you know, a really interesting career and had um, the ability to balance well with a family at home, Um, at least not the way that I wanted to do it. Right. I didn't see it a lot. So I'm like, I guess I just have to start my own business to make it happen. Like I didn't, um, I wasn't seeing it around me. Um, And I didn't, um, I didn't have role models for it. So I sort of had to invent it myself. So it's so beautiful that you landed in this opportunity in that time in your life where you're ready to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why being an entrepreneur, being entrepreneurial, however it looks for you is so great for, for women, and especially for working moms, because that's the lifestyle that enables you to, to have um, a work-life balance. Yes. I, you know, sometimes I think about running this business. I'm like, this is really hard. Should I just go get a job, right? Like go back and like work for somebody else. And I'm like, but I lose everything that's important to me. If I went, if I, if I went to go take a regular job, um, I get to decide, you know, what kid activities I'm a part of. I get to decide my schedule. I get to decide all of this with no, no interference from anybody. Um, and this has become what's most important to me versus oodles of money versus fancy office space and all that. Like that's what, that's, what's important. Um, and, uh, you know, through the past 10 years, I've met other people who are doing this and doing it well that I've been able to learn from. And I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity. And cause I know a lot of people can't even have this opportunity. Um, you know, it's not, it's not open to, to everybody. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. Yes, me too. Well, and now you have a nine-month-old baby, right? So you get to practice <laughs> and balance. Um, yes, what is that nine- been like? You know, an infant, brand-new baby, infant, um, and super busy time for growing your brand with Bobby. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just another one of these crazy stories where somehow just through – Bobby's mentorship and also the way that she sees and empowers women around her and, and teaches us. I had the baby two days before Bobby left Bobby Brown Cosmetics. And literally it was like, holy, holy cow. I, I, I didn't really know. Can you swear on these podcasts? Because I don't do everyone. Sure. We can get like a, a little E explicit. They'll put a little E next to it. And I All right. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. I want to be explicit. Okay. So I was like, holy shit, this is happening. And, you know, Bobby wasted no time at all wanting to get um, going on these new projects that we kind of already had in the works, but now we could really focus on full time. And, and conveniently, we were just about done finishing her latest book, Beauty from the Inside Out, um, and knowing that it would be launching in the, in the coming months. So, so it was, it was tough, you know, she gave me my space. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to be with the new baby and I wanted to be with her and I wanted to be working on this new company and all these 
transition. So not going to lie, you know, it was not the easiest time the past nine months, but I feel like because of all the support that not only she gave me, but I also have around me from other women and also my husband's great, um, you know, we, we made it work and it's one of those probably a fluke story where you, you just, it didn't feel, I don't think it felt as hard as maybe it was looking back on it. Do you know, you just kind of power through, you just power through. I had a similar situation um, when I had my second child um, the day after I got home from the hospital with her, Clinty called and um, he was like major work and um, I took it and I didn't feel like I wasn't not, I wasn't going to not take it and I don't do anything alone. I have a team, so it's not like, you know, I have to toil by myself for a project, but you know, obviously it demanded some of my time, but it never never for a second was I thinking I'm not taking it. Like (laughs) we're doing this. Um, but it was, you know, looking back like, Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) And I felt like I could do it, but you know what? Like she's a baby. She just wanted to eat (laughs) and sleep. Like this is actually a really good time to take it. Um, and like, you know, I had a incredible five run long, um, business relationship with that team at Clinique. Like this is amazing. Um, Mm But I guess because I have the freedom of being an entrepreneur in the other ways of my life, that like it didn't feel uh, oppressive, right? That decision yeah. felt felt good. Well, it's funny you mentioned it's kind of the good time when the babies are so little, all they do is sleep and eat. And yes, you know, if you're nursing, you need to be uh, fairly close to them. But I I realized during this time, it's now that the my baby's nine months. I know your kids are a bit older. Um, and she's so much more alert and a real person now. It's it's the days now that I miss hanging out with her. Back when she was just hanging out, sleeping all day, there you know, it, there wasn't a lot to to do. So I always think like, how cool would it be to have maternity leave now? From you know, <laughs> one to two, in, instead of zero to four or five months or whatever your maternity leave is. Um, yeah, that, that's how I feel now looking back. Yeah, there is, um, there's great times ahead of you as well. And then there'll be times where you're like, I don't need to pick the kids up from school every day because all they do is fight with each other. So it's okay. I'm okay not being there. Um, and which is how I feel a lot of times now, like if I do take, you know, the afternoon off, I pick them up from school and I take them to gymnastics or whatever, all they're doing is like, they can't keep their hands off each other in the car. So, um, I'll just find some other time to spend with them, <laughs> like yeah. when they're in better, better moods. Um, you know, and of course, like I said, like I get to make these decisions because of my own boss, like, and I do feel for women who, you know, really struggle because they don't have choice over how they spend their time and, um, having choice in that is, you know, there, there is no choice. Um, I realize every day how grateful, um, and how good I have it because of what I've, what I've built here. Um, so it's not that easy for, for many people. Mm. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about negotiating. Um, it's not something I'm good at, but you and I started talking about it when we first spoke. And um, uh, it's on the topic that we've discussed on the podcast. And it's not something that I'm good at. So maybe I can learn a little bit. 
Um, and I brought it up because I have a friend who reached out to me recently because she wanted to negotiate with her employer um, a better compensation, something that she thought was more in line of what she's worth and what she um, can deliver to the company. And she's asking for my advice. <laughs> like, I've never been great at this. And by the way, I'm business development for my company and I have to do it every day and I'm not that great at it. Um, what, what's, your, what's your approach to negotiating when it comes to money and worth? Well, I feel you. I, I definitely still think I learn every time through a negotiation, every time a negotiation comes up, whether it's literally at the deli or to, to do the next publishing deal or something like that. I, you know, everything for me goes based on gut just because I feel like a big part of negotiation is, is feeling out the situation that you're in and knowing and being able to read how hard or not hard to push at any given time, you, you have to know your worth. And for me personally, it's the most hard to negotiate for myself. I don't know why we, we talked about it a little bit. I'm such a better negotiator on behalf of someone else or in talking to my younger cousins who are negotiating their first job or you know, if, if my husband's going for something and I just, I feel like I'm this crazy good bulldog. And then when it comes to myself, I'm just like, Oh, well, I don't know so much, so much doubt and, and uncertainty. And that's something that I've been trying to work on. Um, you know, luckily I don't have to negotiate for myself too often because Bobby and I've been working together for five years, but, um, it does sometimes, you know, trickle into, into the business conversations I have as well. And I just need to remember that, you know, a man would never think twice about asking for what they want or what they think their, their client or their business or themselves are worth. And you just have to go for it. But with that said, my, my special take on it being like, yes, you have to go for it, but you also have to you have to read the room. You have to know who you're negotiating with. You have to be uber informed and do your research and get, you know, you know, get competitive information. And the more you know about the negotiation you're going into it, which I feel like is negotiating 101, um, that most people probably know that the better you sound when you're, when you're speaking to things. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. Right. So I'm trying to think of like distilling this down into like a more, a more simple interaction, right? Not a, my livelihood and my boss kind of situation, but like, I don't know, going to, just going to a retail store and buying something, right? Like there's an, I don't feel like a lot of anxiety around like how much does that bed cost, right? Or, um, you know, how much does X, Y, or Z cost? It's just this, you know, there's a, there's a cost of goods and then do I want to buy it? You know, um, I go to buy cheese. There's a price on it. And I don't really think about is that is that cheese priced right? Um, yeah. Should it be lower? Should it be higher? It's just the cost of American cheese, right? Um, yeah. And I know I'm simplifying it a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I, I wish it was more simple for me. I wish it was like, you know, there's a, there's a, I mean, in our agency, we have costs, right? Like we have um, team members. We assign hourly rates for each team member. We've created those hourly rates based on, you know, overhead costs and markup and blah, blah, blah. So um, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't feel so hard, but it does. Um, 
And I think a lot of it's driven by self-doubt and, um, you know, like this kind of people-pleasing tendency that I'm still trying to unravel in my life. But um, I wish it just felt like more at ease, like buying cheese in the supermarket. Yeah. Well, because I think in that, in that scenario, you, you somehow can, you can rationalize, okay, this is priced this way. And you, you hopefully trust the, the store or the people or whatever you're buying it from that it's priced fairly so that you're not being taken advantage of, but you know, there is, you know, you trust, you trust them that they've, that they've priced it and you're not getting ripped off. So I think you kind of have to bring that mentality into your own, into your own negotiations and say, okay, I know that there's going to be a fair price or a fair worth for me or for this job. Or, you know, if you're a freelancer for XYZ gig and you just have to know what that fair price is and try to get as close to it as possible And, and, and know that people, everybody's trying to get the best deal. You're trying to get the best deal for yourself and the employer is trying to get the best deal for them. So, you know, if you walk in, I sometimes I think I'm a little too, um, I don't know, expecting other people to be as honest or as fair as I am. And I don't understand why it has to be this huge negotiation nowadays. It's like, can't you just walk into the room with the fair number that you think is great and the other person or people or whatever to just say, you know what? Yeah, that's a fair number. Great. Done deal. It's just, it should be that easy, but it's never that easy anymore because people are trying to push the limits, I feel like, on on both sides. Right. You know, that's interesting that you say that, like coming into the room with like, you know, what everyone thinks is fair. Because we, um, when we're working with new clients, we always say to them, what's your budget? Like there's a lot of, there's so many different ways we can do this. You can spend a year on it or you can spend a a week on it. Like, you know, depending upon your budget and your needs, then, uh, you know, do you need a year of research or do you want us just to go with our gut? Um, We can do it a lot of different ways. And most of the time clients, no matter whether they're emerging brands or, you know, strategics, whatever, they're like, well, we don't know. We don't have a budget. (laughs) We don't have a budget. Um, And so, um, you know, I can't leave the conversation without having some understanding of pricing, right? Because that's going to determine what kind of services we can give you. So what I've taught the team to do, which really does seem to help, and it helps the client feel better about their time. We don't want to waste their time, and it helps us not waste our time. Is this a $5,000 project? Is this a $10,000 project? Is this 20? Is it 50? Is it 100? Right? And then, it, then like, by, you can see on their face when you start to say a number that makes sense to them, like, then their face relaxes. <laughs> and um, if they're all red in the cheeks, uh, you know, their complexion eases. And it gets them to a place where they can say out loud what they're comfortable with, right? What does this feel like for them? And um, that's helped us so much. And I definitely didn't spend the past 10 years doing that. I struggled. Um, and I figured this out kind of recently. <laughs> um, but it's really helped kind of um, even the playing field. Oh, you have 20000 Oh, but you want this big elaborate shoot. Well, let's, let's think of other ways we can accomplish something, right? Um, and that, that sort of started to ease um, the conversation, move things forward, and stop um, wasting their time, right? Like, why do they want to keep talking to us about something with some celebrity endorser if they only have $20,000? Right. Let's let's figure this out together. Um, have you ever done work that way? Yes, definitely. I, I was just in a scenario where, you know, some a client was asking for 
something that was just not at all within the reach of the budget that they had available. So we kind of did it exactly as you just said and broke it down like, okay, for the budget that you have, this is what you can get for 5,000 more. If you can find it, then you can get this additional thing. Or if you want to actually not do X, Y, and Z and save that money and then put it towards the next shoot or some paid media, we can do this for that. And so I think that's great because that gives the client the power to decide what they want and how best to use their money. And it works great in that situation. But the problem with this, you know, kind of tiered fee scenario is uh, for the, I think the more average person, especially outside of the beauty industry that just is working, you know, in a, in a job, whether it be their own company or at a corporation, it doesn't help you negotiate that that personal aspect of it, you know. That, right, like my my yearly salary. Yeah, exactly. Or even your fee. It's funny, even even let's say your fee for as the budget line in that shoot. You know, I feel like people sometimes don't react well to the realities of what your time costs, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's it's you you have to have a whole secondary you know, rationale for why your fee is what it is. And you just have to be prepared for that and be, be honest. And, um, you know, and hopefully people will accept that. Yeah. You know, um, for this friend who was asking for advice, it was for her annual salary. And, uh, you know, after she told me about the accomplishments she had in the business, I'm like, you know, I, I think you're worth more. <laughs> um, so I think you've already done the work in terms of like the data and the backup and all that stuff, which like you said, is the beginning of negotiation is to be informed. Um, but then my next thought was, well, you ask for what you think you deserve and um, what you're contributing to the company. And if they say no, then at least you know where you stand here, right? If, um, yeah. if, they're, if they're not willing to, you know, meet you somewhere halfway or closer to where you want to be, then you know, and it doesn't mean you have to leave right away. It just means that, you know, you spend the next year um, networking, connecting, building relationships for, you know, somebody to, to get a job with somebody who really does value what you contribute. And I, I thought that there's actually like something really nice and calming about knowing where you stand, right? If you don't have the conversation, you don't know where you stand. But if you have the conversation, even if you don't get that money, you know, you have, you have a sense of where you stand, which means that long-term you're going to be more successful because you're going to seek out what you need. Um, and it, it felt really, um, it kind of calmed me <laughs> like when thinking about it, like how nice to know where you stand, right? Cause that's half the battle. Yeah. And I, it can either be, like you said, extremely motivating or a little bit demotivating, but then at least, you know, and you can set up a new goal. And by the way, everyone always says the best way to negotiate, um, you know, within, if you're just looking to either get a raise, some sort of salary increase or a promotion within the company you're already in is to have, a, an offer from another company. So it also doesn't hurt you to go out there, look around, see what's out there. Maybe you get an offer. Maybe you take that offer to your boss and say, Hey, these people are willing to do X, Y, and Z. So do you want to match it? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit ballsy, but I, I don't know. Every, I've never had to do that, but other people that I know that have done that, it always works out for them. It's such a, it's such a motivator for an employer 
to want to keep good talent, I think, is when they feel like they're going to lose them. So it's a, it's a little bit Agreed. of a game, but, you know, it works. Yeah, and it would be nice if it was not a game, but um, buying a house yeah. is a game, buying a car is a game. I guess why shouldn't this be a game yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, so Tara, unfortunately, we're out of time, and this has been so incredible. Um, it's been a pleasure to learn from you. Our listeners have really enjoyed your wisdom. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you, Jody. Thanks so much for having me. And if you guys want to check out my Insta or see more of Bobby and what we have going on, check her out at just Bobby Brown and I'm at Tara Tresini. Thanks, Jody. Cool. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.